Hello and welcome to the very first climate episode of Bureau Happel in Conversation. Tackling the climate and biodiversity breakdown is of vital importance for Bureau Happold. The firm is leading the change across areas ranging from net zero carbon, climate resilience and the circular economy, through to health, well-being and social value. But making such changes is not easy and the process requires both radical thinking and perhaps sacrifices to our work and home comforts. Government policy matters, but then so does a shift to our individual habits. But which matters more? Here to talk through some of these big issues are four new Bureau Happel partners who've just taken on their new roles. I am pleased to welcome Sebastian Selig, Christine Lowry, Kaval Patel and Simon Pilkington. Thank you all for joining me. So in my research for this discussion, I found a newspaper quote that I thought was quite interesting and it stated, the word sustainability should be banned from technical and political discourse. It has become so corrupted as to not only be meaningless, but to actually obscure the real issues that must be dealt with. Now, would you agree with that or not? Christine, let's hear your thoughts first. I don't, I personally do not think the word is meaningless at all. I think that's the wrong, the wrong um, word for it. But the problem is that it's such a broad term. It has become very generic, I suppose. It encompasses so many topics. For me, sustainability is anything where we've considered the long-term outcome of an action. I was having a conversation with an architect the other day, and we were talking about the history of humans and how we're not very good, actually, humans, at thinking of long-term outcomes. Now, we like to think that 40 years is a long time, 100 years, and we were having a chuckle that uh, Homo erectus lived for 2.5 million years, but we consider they were quite basic, but maybe they actually got it right. So, yeah, I don't think sustainability is meaningless, but meaningless but I do think it's helpful to discuss the specific issues as in their own terms because whether you're talking about economic sustainability, social sustainability, energy, carbon, they're very very different topics that that all get put under the one banner. I would agree Christine I think sustainability is a very important term because it's one of the few concepts or terms that really are combined social economic ecological aspects in, in one concept you know so it's 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 a very holistic it's a very holistic concept if you apply it on a project which still is great i think though of course you could argue that that it has been you know uh, over talked a bit yes yeah, it's changed over the years as well i think you know that's the thing it's like if you think back 10 15 years ago it was the thing isn't it but i think you can sometimes replace the word with sustainable with things like efficient efficiency integrated uh, and stuff that we all do probably you know and we've got better over over the years you know we certainly practice it on our day-to-day uh, day-to-day projects so I don't think it's it's not meaningless, but it it is evolved and it will continue to evolve and change as it uh, as we going to go forward. Do you think your clients understand uh, are perhaps more um, fussy when it comes when you do a bid and you say we're going to make this a sustainable project? Do you think that they are more knowledgeable about what that means and they dig deeper, or do you think do you think that they they demand more sustainability? They, they do. But what's interesting is you have to dig down to understand what they think sustainability means to be able to address their, their particular concerns on sustainability. Mm. And every client comes with a different idea of what sustainability means to them and what they're actually after. Mm. 
And, and I think for a lot of clients, sustainability often means they're talking about ecological matters, you know, or e ecologic matters um, and carbon and things like that. But, but once you start talking about the social aspects of sustainability, um, about affordability, for example, yeah, about the economic um, impacts, and, and, but also the, the economic viability of certain technologies, so, some clients don't really, I think, think along these lines if they talk about sustainability. They often have quite an ecological aspect or focus, and that that social aspect is quite is that that's quite a, a sort of a new thing when you talk about sustainability. Sorry, Simon. No, no. no. I mean, I, I was going to say I, again. I think things have changed. I mean, you do, we we no longer are we kind of in that mode of of standing up and having a sustainable person come in and do that. It, it's very it's it's a far more two way. I find a, you know the engagement is far more two way. Uh, and we get challenged as much as we challenge our clients often you know, in different areas. Um, so I find it it's, a, it's an interesting place to go with, with clients now. And as Christine says, you start the detail, but suddenly it can explode into all sorts of places through through those discussions. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a different world now than it was, you know, ten or fifteen years ago. We get we get clients pushing us, um, and it's and it's it, and it's a two way street, you know, and working working together with like minded clients. I think you know there's a there's a real uh, a difference that you can make, and and I and I think that you know going forward, you know, some of the stuff that Sebastian was talking about, the social aspects and so on and so forth, are going to become more and more important. And I think often historically we've left that social piece to the side. You know, how do you, how do you put a value to that? It's, it's it's quite challenging to define the value of you know improving the social aspects of certain developments and you know people's lives. And it's difficult to put a price on that as well, yeah. isn't it? It's difficult difficult to. So as you say, you want to be working with enlightened clients. Yeah who recognise social value as part of sustainability. Um, we can't really have this conversation without talking about the green recovery, uh, whatever that might be, um, and, and and sort of accelerating that move towards all projects being sustainable and having social value. Are we going to achieve a green recovery or are, we, are you worried that we're all going to go back to the same old habits? Well, I mean, I, I think it's an interesting one because I, I think uh, it's far more the way in which they're looking to approach it, and, and you know, obviously the government, UK government's latest announcement to get to go for higher targets. I mean, they really are looking to target it, not just in a traditional energy area, you know, buildings and all that sort of stuff. They're going after dairy and, and beef. I don't think I've ever seen a, any kind of government initiative where they're really thinking that broad. So, I mean, mm. I think it's not going it, to, it will be challenging and it will be, you know, but it's going to be a lot broader. And I think that's where Bureau Hampol's going to have to start looking. It's a challenge to all of us, you know. How much do we really want to change? It's quite, in some ways, it's easier to look at, put, stick a few PV panels on a building roof, right? But it's it's far harder to say, oh, I might forego the stake tonight. Certainly for me anyway. I, I mean, I think it's interesting that the International Energy Agency is reporting a major surge they're expecting to see in carbon emissions as everybody gets let loose and starts really dancing in, in, on the streets, um, doing all the things they haven't been able to do for a year. But whether I think that Bureau Happold is going to follow that path, no, I don't think we will. And I think we will manage to keep some good behaviours and good practice that we have seen, particularly in reducing 
unnecessary travel. I think some of it will come back again, but the reductions that we've made and the way we've proven to ourselves that we are able to work in a different way um, and, and, and we have a whole new accepted norm. It'd be nice to have some of the old world back where you need it, but let's not lose the good that we've got from, from where we've ended up. I think we won't revert back completely. And I think that as, as a business, we are investing heavily in upskilling across the board such that our output is also following this path of the green recovery. But sustainability is no longer a specialist field. It's part of everybody's day job to take care of what they're doing. And every business as usual project we deliver can actually make far more of a difference than the one unique, amazing, highly invested in sustainability scheme that's got all the bells and whistles. Yeah, and you, you see that you see that in our organisation, don't you? You see that with our office managers and the people that run our buildings, and you know, it's not just engineers. I think I think you know we all as society need to be responsible for you know emissions and what we do. And I, I, I like your your example of the steak, Simon. You know, we all need to eat less meat. And I and I think you know the more more and more you you look out there. People are willing to change for the better. It's one of the things we talked about in our equity discussion. What What's more important, personal behaviour or policies? So our, our missives, we will not take on any projects that are involved in fossil fuels. Or is it better that we have a vegetarian cafe? I know you're all going to say that they're both as important. But which do you think, you know, in terms of your, your new work as a partner, what will make the biggest impact in terms of re really reducing our carbon footprint? Like I just said, the point about the business as usual project, making a small difference on those rather than assuming they have no agenda so we can't make a difference. That's where we will, we will have the biggest impact. And our reach through the construction industry is huge. Um, and carbon... I mean, the, the whole discipline of thinking about embodied carbon as well as operational carbon, the savings that we have to offer the industry through uh, just thinking, targeted thinking about it in the decision making process uh, of the design of all of our projects will make a big difference. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, there's, there's a, it's not all just about carbon either as well. You know, there's a whole piece on, you know, Sebastian meant about the ecological impacts, but water, certainly in some of the markets, you know, we work in um, the Middle East particularly, you know, water has an equivalent carbon emission through desalination and so on and so forth. And actually, when you start to pull all this stuff together, there are some huge impacts that can be made by some very small changes our clients are listening. You know, that's the great thing. And it's a great place to be when, you know, you, you, you know, small little changes and it's, it's you know things that as Cabal said earlier we've shifted massively in 10 to 15 years it's not far enough right yeah. but well you know there's a trajectory there now we need to carry on doing it so obviously you've all been engineers for a long time what kind of little changes do you make every day now that you didn't make 10 years ago I think some of them yeah. aren't even 10 years if I'm honest yeah. I'm making different things now than just even one year ago it, it is, I think the movement is speeding up and people's knowledge on the subject, even my knowledge on the subject is expanding so rapidly. I mean, particularly in the last year, the embodied carbon discussion, you know, is, is it worth uh, investing in an awful lot of PV cells that have concrete feet on them to weigh them down that in their lifetime may never generate as much 
electricity to offset the carbon that they used in their construction. That that wasn't a conversation even last year. Now, we should have been having it, but we weren't. And also the other big difference that I've seen is we work with a lot of developers and they're heavily influenced by investors. And what is brilliant to see is that they're looking to invest in development that is more sustainable because the people who are investing in them want to see their money invested more wisely. And that, I think, is making our job easier. And an awful lot of our clients are having their ears opened to these conversations because it's coming from many angles. I think there's something there, Christine, in, in, in you know, your observation on you know, embodied carbon. And I think we as, a, as engineers and, and as a practice are getting better at articulating what that what that emission or saving could be, right? Historically, we've uh, we haven't been able to do it in a in an easily understandable way, and I think we're getting better at that. There's some work to do there, and we need to develop some of our tools to to to, to help articulate the difference different engineering options make to our clients. Um, and, and I think we, we're going to be needing to do more and more of that the reuse recycling and as opposed to you know demolition rebuild what are the benefits you know the circular economy is another one that, that we often don't talk about that i think are we're starting to talk about more and more i i think in germany we we, we are talking about the thing is in germany i think and probably in most many parts of the world this discussion is a mainstream discussion now. We are also working a lot with with developers who are again, as as Christine said, who are then of course who have set new new targets and benchmarks and are pushing us to to have quite quite radical approaches, frankly speaking. So we have things uh, we are developing now are car-free districts, for example. This is something we never thought about. I mean, there were a few people who talked about that five to ten years ago, but now we have. 10 projects in the moment in parallel in Germany where we're talking about car-free districts. It's great. I mean, it's something that's just the, the speed of, of transformation is, I think, at the moment is just astonishing. And do you think that will be accelerated by, you know, the pandemic and what, what we've experienced the last year? Do you think as people work more from home, that, that the way development has been going, that will, that will just accelerate? I, I think uh, I think the pandemic has just highlighted a few trends we have already observed before the pandemic. I mean, if we if we think about mobility, digitalization, etc., these are all things that already happened before the pandemic. And the pandemic has has highlighted actually uh, these trends and the impacts of these trends. And I think, as as Christine said, we will probably see a few behaviors getting back to normal and. Probably people will jump on planes uh, as as soon as we can travel again, but I think in other in other sectors we will see that change uh, um, going on. You know, we will see that especially in the mobility sector. We will see. I I think we will talk much more about cycling and pedestrian infrastructure in the next years. Um, Car-free districts, of course electric vehicles you know yeah it's it's a shift in in personal behavior isn't it you know living in rainy britain the thought of some of my relatives ditching their cars and, and getting on a bike and going into town i i suppose my next question is you know this is the next step and is it going to be uncomfortable for us as individuals and as a business is radical change the only answer I think, I mean, is it going to be uncomfortable? I mean, uncomfortable is the pace of change, isn't it? It's like with all things. It's not what's not the end result. That's a given where we've got to get to. It's, it's this pace of change that is you could construe. But um, I think it will be, you know, it, what it, it, 
I don't think you can say it's uncomfortable. I think the pace will be equal as a personal and a professional, you know, business world. I think the key thing is to kind of in, see those challenges for what they are. We're gonna, we're all gonna have to do that and, and embrace them, right? And 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 look for the opportunities and be agile to to move towards them. And there will be some hard choices along the way, you know, you know personally and from a business. There's there's things that we do now that I have no doubt in 10 to 15 years time we'll look back and go what were we thinking why that just will happen we owe it to ourselves and our kids to to move along with that it's going to be fast it's difficult when it when it hits the bottom line so how do you persuade a client not to use the cheapest thing but to use the more sustainable thing that's the question isn't it I think that's where you've got some great examples where you actually start with the win-wins. Where where do you actually get both? A reduction in that bottom line and the saving that you're looking for. I'm working on a great project at the moment that is a facility that will store material forever. So it's in terms of sustainability and that long-term view, there's not a number of years on how long we want to store it for. It is forever. And we've taken all of the heating and ventilation systems out of the building and made it completely passive. Now, obviously, there's a lot of work that's gone into demonstrating that provides the right environment. But in terms of what we're trying to achieve, well, we're not putting any systems in. We're saving from the bottom line. And then we're not running those systems. So we're getting the carbon savings in that instance that we are looking for. I think in the industry we're working in, those it's not always that you can save money. Sometimes you have to invest to save the carbon if, when we're talking just carbon and, and other things. But the win-wins are definitely easier to, to get through. The more we learn and understand, the more we're able to bring those in as thinking that's just that's what we're doing, that's how it should be. And we create a, a new normal platform. Yeah, I mean, look, there are opportunities to repurpose things and reuse, you know, and 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 again, you know, that that is often cheaper than than the new build, as a as a for instance, you know, and I think we are we're a we're a throwaway society, and I think that that has got to change, um, and we need to reuse and repurpose more than we than we have ever done. I think when it comes down to the question of comfort, though. What sprung to my mind was a, I must have been listening to a Jeremy Vine or something, and they were interviewing people about what they thought. And there was this lady, she said, it is my right to buy coffee in a takeaway cup, and I should not be made feel, to feel guilty for doing so. And it did strike me that actually personal comfort is something that is actually quite hard to tackle. And yeah. we, we're always looking forward in terms of developing our technology to mm. solve this problem. And actually, as a society, we're very unwilling to make ourselves uncomfortable. We want to have the holiday where we want. And it's if we can invest in our own situation such that we're still comfortable and we make savings, then great. But we're not actually prepared as a society to, to, to go that extra mile to inflict um uh, not pain on ourselves, but that we're, we're, everyone's used to a certain standard of, of living. And we could live a lawful lot, everybody could live an awful lot more leanly than they do. And if everybody did a little bit, cumulatively, that would make yeah. a big difference. But I can't, I can't see society at the moment willing to make any changes to their own, if you like, personal levels of comfort. But don't, don't you think that's a generational thing? I, I, I see, um, should I, yeah, older, the older generation, if you like, more resistant to change than 
you know, the the up and coming young younger generations. Yeah. And there's a consciousness there about the environment and, and, and so on and so forth that, you know, perhaps our generation didn't have um, yeah. in the past, if you like, and care for the environment because we weren't we weren't taught and brought up in that way. Whereas I think, you know, the younger generations are being taught from a very young age that responsibility for the environment and others around you and so on and so forth. But, you know, I think I think it will be it will be the younger generations that will make that change and force older generations to change. I think yeah, you're I, right, Carol, and education has a huge part to play. Yeah. If, I, if you go back a generation further, though, our grandparents' generation, they were ever so lean and frugal. Where we get, where we're going with this, where you know, in terms of the, the stuff that the UK government are proposing, you know, I don't know how harsh they're going to be, but it's, it's, it is an increased level of state control over the kind of personal choice in some respects. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what our grandparents had at the time, you know, for, for various different reasons. But it, it's that kind of. How far are we, if we can't get to the targets ourselves willingly, there's going to be an interesting kind of state political issue to this as well that we're all going to be faced with over the next few years, I suspect. Could be interesting. I would also strongly argue that it is a general, generational uh, question because if you if you yeah. look into the children today, I mean, my son he's nine and he's vegan, yeah, and um, he's and and that was his own decision. We didn't, I I didn't need to persuade him. It, it was him um, uh, thinking a lot about climate change, you know, and and, and um, animals and his own decision to go vegan. And he's nine years old, and, and he's not the, the only one. There is a huge difference. Um, and the way uh, young children think about uh, the world today than we did. And mm-hmm. I think that that will make a big difference. But however, I think it's also a lot is, is, is also due to the context. I mean, if you think this is probably a very, from my perspective, a very European perspective. Now, of, of course, if you think about other geographies, you know, other climates, other political systems, of course, it's, it can be very different. I mean, you know, bringing it back to a business level, you know, you, you as partners now, there is this question. It, it does come down to the bottom line, doesn't it? And 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 are, will we be accept, you know prepared to accept lower profits, lower bonuses in exchange for refusing projects that we feel do not align with our sustainability ethics and and goals as a company? Well, no, on that point, yeah. on that point, Victoria, I yeah. think that. We're not an island here. No. Being as a set of designers wanting to design something that is very different from what our clients ultimately want. And actually, we're part of a process and they're moving in the same direction that we are and we yeah. can help them get there faster. So I'm not sure that we are going to find we are in conflict where we, we have to turn down work because it's not aligned to, to what, you know, for the most part, what we want to be um, considering, you know, where, where our founding principles are. I mean, I think I think all our clients, you know, whether they're whether they're big clients or small clients, if you gave them a sustainable solution that was within their budget, and and this is where engineers come into their own, right? Is is, is we've got to give them the solution that they want that works with their individual budgets, because not everybody's the same, you know. And what we pay for, I don't know, in the UK and Germany, as opposed to a developing country are two different things there is that affordability piece that has to be talked about and it has to be affordable for for whichever geography that you're you're doing any design for and i think you know we need to get much much better at articulating that and the benefits of 
various options than maybe we have been in the past. Um, obviously, there's the UN Climate Change uh, Conference coming up in Glasgow. What do you hope the government will do to accelerate towards zero carbon? More of the same or something radically different? I, th- I think their policies need to permeate through more of government. I think they need to stop contradicting themselves. So it's all very well. And we you will have seen in the press in the last day, accelerating targets, well, targets that they never met in the first place. So it's great they're accelerating them, but we didn't make sure we met them to start off with. So, and and, and you see big contradictions um, in, in what other departments are doing. And like we've just discussed, sustainability, it's a massive topic. So it doesn't just sit with the Climate Change Commission. Like in Bureau Happold, it doesn't just sit with sustainability and physics engineers. It sits with everybody. And I would like to see them have a much wider commitment to run it through all departments to make a difference in what they are doing. At the end of the day, they've also got to, they're balancing always, aren't they, in what they invest in. You know, there's, there's, there's obviously, within the UK, we've got the mega projects, Heathrow, Heathrow expansion, a few of the HS2, you know, I think the most talked about infrastructure projects probably in the world, given, you know, what we're like here in the UK. But, you know, there there is a need now to start seeing some of this stuff, budgets and the spending plans, long-term spending plans, you know, so to split it off from the political some of the political aspects and make sure these things are fixed in stone and are achieved. But they all have to be now run through, exactly like Christine said, a yeah. full kind of sustainability review, if you like. Moving from employee to partner is a big shift. And how do you see your work changing? And are you excited about the change? Are you? Yeah, thanks, uh, Victoria. Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely delighted, of course, and excited. Um, I think probably um, the the uh, the, the work itself will probably not change so much because um, I, I hope that I we, we will still work on projects and win work and work with clients and you know um, do everything that is so fantastic and exciting about our job. But I think as as a partner, of course, you probably have much more responsibility within the practice itself to you know to influence and to change uh, the course uh, that that we are taking and uh, which which I'm very excited to or about. And then, of course, also as a role model and into the outside world, I think you just have to really um, what, what you what you're preaching, you know, and and you have to and and, and that's something which probably will be the biggest change. Yeah. Great. Okay, Simon, over to you. It's, it's, what, what can I say? Sebastian's uh, he smashed it there. Um, no, it, it, I don't think it's too dissimilar from what, what, what Sebastian said. You know. The, I suppose when I first started thinking about it, I was I was generally kind of wondering and thinking, okay, well, how do I have to change? What do I have to do? But actually, the, the more I've kind of got my head into it, is is probably not too much. The other bit for me is is, and it speaks to this whole point that we talked about sustainability. Is now the exciting and the great bit is that keeping an eye out for some of these new little things that are, there's all sorts of stuff that's happening out there that we we all deal with in our respective disciplines and our respective worlds and stuff they actually start to coalesce and collide sometimes and then something else spins out. And I think that's the good thing. You know, we've, we've got a great bunch of people and, and we can we can really start to have some really good conversations about new service offers, new stuff that we can do that comes off the back of that. Okay. Um, Christine, are you excited? Uh, yes. Yeah. So, uh, you've, been, you've been here a long time, haven't you? How long? Oh, in 2001? Yeah. 
2001 you joined, yeah? Yeah, I've just had my 20 years. I'm not, I like to call myself a lifer. Okay. I joined as a graduate and I uh, have never managed to escape. No, no, no. I'm going to bring something different there because like like Simon said, I mean, Sebastian did absolutely smash it. Um, And I agree with all that sentiment. I think for me, on top of that, I feel this, you know, it's absolutely my duty I feel I feel this pressure that I've now become a role model, I suppose, or an ambassador for for who I represent within the business. And, you know, the, the route I have come and what I've managed to achieve, I feel very much um, there aren't that many women or female partners within the business that's growing. And it's great to see that a number of my colleagues have made the partnership grade as well this year. I think doubling at least the number of females there are. And when I sit in external meetings, I love it when there's a, a broad mix, uh, you know, not just just females, but a broad mix of, 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 of everybody around the table because everybody brings something special. And uh, I was having a conversation with someone earlier today and um, she said, oh, you must make sure you bring yourself to the role. And I really liked that. So that's what I'm going to try and do. You get me as a partner, not the not the professional partner I envisage a partner should be. No, you're just going to get Christine. Perfect. Are you excited, Cavell? Are you going to... Yeah. But yeah, I mean, look, it's an incredible opportunity. We've got, you know, a huge talent pool within the business. Lots of people that can solve lots of challenges that our clients have. And, and just being able to help connect those dots up for clients to get them the solutions that you know some of them so desperately need is is going to be you know something that I'm really interested in making a difference on you know driving through some of our strategies that we've got that align with a lot of our client strategies providing solutions you know real solutions that make uh, a big difference to some of our clients is an interesting opportunity from my point of view. Thank you so much. I'm afraid that's all we have time for today. Thank you to all of our new partners for your insight. And if anyone has any questions or comments on the topics raised here, please feel free to contact my guests here at Bureau Happold. If you enjoyed this, don't forget to listen to our deep dives into equity and technology in our other partner discussions. I am Victoria Bentley. This was Bureau Happold in Conversation. And until next time, goodbye.